Hi Brickies, I'm Dominic, the last one standing with a kink for cannibalism. And I'm Kate, the resident phobia expert who also hears voices. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about stuff that scares us. Ripping a few laughs and survival tips along the way. As always, please subscribe, rate and review us. And don't forget to follow us on the socials at Shit and Bricks Podcast. Like the morning after a night on the curries and cans, here it comes. So drop your ducks, pop a squat and let's get into it. Hi, Kate. Hi, Tom. Let's see. Can we do that together and see if we can harmonize? Do you want to go low or high? I'll go low. <laughs> okay. I was just right. checking. <laughs> Three. Hi, Kate. <laughs> Not bad. I went high. <laughs> I had to go higher. I was trying to pitch. I was trying to pitch the note on the fly. Singing was just never one of my talents. That's okay. You've got nine hundred and forty-six others. Oh, don't know about that, but I'll take the compliment. Thank you. You're welcome. No problems. How have you been? I have been well. I'm going on uh, year seven camp tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to a good night's sleep in my own bed tonight. Because no doubt it will be. Uh, there'll be a lack of sleep over the next couple of nights. Year seven, in the grand scheme of school camps, you know, year sevens, eights, nines, tens, blah, blah, blah. Year seven, pretty good one or? Yeah, definitely, because they're new and they're they're little and they're, yeah, I love the year sevens. They're great. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, camp was always a good time. I love camp. Camp is a blast. Perfect place for a scary story. Ooh, I probably won't tell them the end part of this story uh, and you'll know why when I get to it, but I can tell them some stories, sure. So some of our PG stories. Well, before we do that, we should do a little housekeeping. Housekeeping. Oh, actually, Kate, you have a good voice. You can sing. <laughs> Do you know what it is? I have the Maya Rudolph where I can imitate people. Uh, so yeah. singing myself, if I was to have like my voice, no, but I can absolutely take the piss um, and try and do other people's voices, which it, that can help. All right. Well, quickly housekeeping because I'm very raring yep. and eager and potentially flaming to hear the end Ooh. of your story. Stop it. <laughs> no one's ever called Yay. me flaming before. As if, as if. All right, folks, you know the drill. Uh, Kate and I have lots of funny stories and jokes and extra tidbits on all of our social channels. Instagram and TikTok are probably the two most fun. So go find yep. us. It's shitten.bricks.podcast. And then, come find us. yeah, come find us. And then we also have a Patreon, which uh, hopefully maybe this week, Kate, I don't know if you've got time. No, you'll be on camp, so you won't have time. Maybe next week. I might, but I probably not. Yes. (laughs) Next week we're going to record, maybe we'll even do two extra episodes because it's been a while since we've uploaded them. But we're going to do some bonus episodes, which you can get on our Patreon. So for an extra few bucks a month, whichever membership you can afford. You can help Kate and I keep the lights on and pay for all of this magic mastery wizardry. And a shout out to Amy, who's one of our OG patrons, who upgraded her Patreon account this week. She was our first ever. No, she wasn't. Chelsea was our first ever. She was a very close second, though. Yeah. Very close. But um, shout out to her, yes, and her beautiful puppy dogs as well. Oh, my gosh, she has three black labs. I'm yeah, jealous. they're so cute. They're so flipping. And she sent me the sweetest, sweetest DM the other day just wishing me the best of luck with my job search. So, Oh, that's so nice. We love you, Amy. We love your part of our pod. And, yeah, we just love your support too. Exactly. So come be one of our brickies. Uh, again, shitten.bricks.podcast on Patreon. But last but not least, the most important thing for this year for Kate and I was to really up our reviews 
um, ratings, reviews, all that um, from all of you. I mean, because Kate yep. and I can give five stars all day long. <laughs> five stars. We will give you five-star service all day long. But if you can just spend that extra like 10 seconds at the end of this episode and just whatever service that you're on, just quickly give us a quick rating review. Tell us what you think. Um, five stars, please. And we love you. Five stars. We love you. And that's pretty much it. No other news. Well, I decided that I'm going to talk a little bit more. I talked about, talked about, talked about. Yeah, that's right. I was talking about um, wildfires, the last episode that I did. If you've not listened to that episode, go on back and have a, have a listen. Uh, So I said at the end of that episode, I wanted to talk a little bit more about fires. But today I have one of my classics, which is just a whole bunch of random stuff jammed into one episode. So (laughs) I'm excited to share this with you. It is fire related. Um, And more specifically, I'm going to talk about a few famous arsonists that have graced graced the planet. And because today's episode is episode number 69, I have entitled it Up Your Arson. (laughs) <laughs> that Not totally that beats my ass has. joke that I was gonna make <laughs> I mean you know not that 69s are necessarily about your bum they can be I did some research about them <laughs> but um I just thought up your ass and what a great title for an episode so you know just just let's have some fun yeah, we're going to break tradition and instead of calling it wildfires number two, we're just going to call it yep. up your that's arson. It. Up your arson. Well, I think that's good because this doesn't really touch. It's not, I wouldn't even really call it a part two necessarily, apart from the content's kind of fire related. Um, so it's loosely based. So we've got a loosely based arson. I was going to say, is that an ass joke? <laughs> Loose arson. <laughs> but what I did promise you, and I'm going to hit you with it now is, I told you I would find out a little bit about the ecological benefits of fire because um, wildfires are important in the regeneration of uh, lots of different things. So if you're not sure what, well, guess what? I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Sit down, get your number two pencil. Miss Wilkinson is going to educate. I'll wait. It's your lunchtime, guys. It's fine. No, no, I don't need to be anywhere. I'll be here. Excuse me, the bell does not excuse you. I do. So I'll have you standing behind your chairs, please. Thank you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's my teacher voice. <laughs> I try not to use it very often because I'm, I'm like, I'm an imposter. <laughs> Talk like that. Get your pencils out because while a wildfire refers to unintentional or uncontrolled fire, the term wildland fire is broader and it includes fires purposefully set as part of prescribed burns. So we were talking about controlled burns. Dom, you were talking about those in our wildfires as well. Now, whilst all fires have the potential to become dangerous to property and life, prescribed or controlled burns are planned extensively and performed with tight safety parameters. Humans have been burning, uh, have been performing such burns for thousands of years and for multiple reasons. But today, they're mainly used to promote ecological health and to prevent larger, more damaging, uncontrolled fires. It might seem, preach, it might seem counterintuitive that a fire which burns plant life and endangers animals within an ecosystem could actually promote ecological health, but fire is a natural phenomenon. Phenomenon. Nature phenomenon. And has evolved with its presence. So many ecosystems benefit from periodic fires because they clear out dead organic material and some plant and animal populations require the benefits fire brings to survive and reproduce. Ooh. For example, as dead or decaying plants begin to build up on the ground, they might prevent organisms within the soil from accessing nutrients or they could block animals on the land from accessing the soil. So maybe they the animals want a little num-nums, but they can't get there because there's all the leaves in the way. Yeah. So sometimes the fires come and they clear out the leaves so the animals can get to the num-nums. Now this coating of, that's the non-scientific 
uh, <laughs> part of my speech, just if you weren't aware. Uh, this coating of dead organic matter can also choke out growth of smaller new plants. So our little plants want to shoot through, but they can't because there's too many too many dead plants. So they try, try real hard and they can't do it. Yeah, I always think of like that planet Earth bit where David Attenborough talks about like the Amazon and the the canopy and it's like a big tree has to fall down so all the light can get through and all the shit underneath can grow. Oh, I love the word canopy and I also love the word counterintuitive. Oh, lots of great C words in here. Great C words today. (laughs) And did you know, I'm sure most people do know this, but they've recorded or like captured David Attenborough's voice so please you know touch knock wood yep but when Sir David is no longer with us you know in the waiting room with Liz Truss and Margaret Thatcher yeah uh, they're going to be able to still use his voice to like do whatever which is a kind of scary but b kind of cool yeah yeah I mean it's fair he's the voice of the planet yeah. <laughs> right. I think so. You are the voice of the planet. <laughs> You're the voice. Try and understand it. <laughs> You're the voice of our planet. <laughs> yeah. Now, when humans perform a prescribed burn, the goal is to remove that layer so that then the healthy parts of the ecosystem thrive. Moreover, oh, who can tell I copy-pasted me, nutrients released from the burned material, which includes dead plants and animals, oops, Aussie, but they return more quickly into the soil than if they decayed slowly over time. So in this way, fire increases soil fertility, a benefit that has been exploited by farmers for centuries. So when you put a bit of cow manure in your plants, your lime tree grows gooder and then you got better limes. So the spire's doing the same thing. I don't know what it's got to do with limes, but whatever. <laughs> Stick with me, folks. Here's the cycle. <laughs> do you know what it is? I have a lime tree. Sorry, sidebar. <laughs> Again, please stay with me. I have a lime tree that I've had for three and a half years. Not once has it produced a lime and it just keeps growing bigger and bigger and bigger until... And I have to whisper this part because I don't want it to hear, but there is one lime growing and it's the biggest one I've ever seen so far, but I don't want to speak too loudly so as to frighten it off the tree and have it plonk on the ground and then I'll be depressed for days. I put cow manure into the lime tree plant the other day in the hopes that that's going to assist. So I was increasing my soil fertility the same way that fire does that in I was going to say, I wouldn't recommend burning it just yet, Kate. We're not up to that. Not yet? Okay. Let me know when we're there. If I lose this lime, I just don't know what I'll do. I'll be beside myself. (laughs) Now, in addition to uh, soil fertility, several plants actually require fire to move along their life cycles. For example, seeds from many pine trees, uh, pine tree species, they're enclosed inside pine cones and they're very hard. So yeah. they can't actually, like, the wind doesn't do anything, the rain doesn't do anything, the fire needs to burn that outer, like, shell so that then the seeds can come out. Uh, other trees and plants and flowers, like certain types of lilies, also require fire for seed germination. Oh. So, you know, there you go. That's the 411 on the ecological uh, benefits of fire. It doesn't mean that they're, um, you know, the, the wildfires and the uncontrolled burns are ideal yeah but it does help in an ecological sense there's nothing like and i've seen this many a time driving through and you know pretty much anyone in australia that drives anywhere you'll drive through Mm. and you will see when the last bushfire has gone through the area because there's still just black marks everywhere especially on the tree trunks but a week or two, maybe three, maybe even a month after a bushfire has ravaged an area, there is something quite stunningly beautiful mm-hmm. about seeing the just greenest of green pop through on the blackest of black background. And it's like yeah. all these things are sprouting up and shooting up and you're like, how the hell could anything survive? Yep. But it's really quite beautiful. I actually painted a whole series of paintings on bushfire, like, 
ravaged landscapes because just the color is so vibrant. Anyway, it's total. Should, do you have pictures of them? You should pop them on um, our socials. Oh, they're kind of shit. It was when I was oh, still okay. studying. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Back when Dom was learning. Yes. <laughs> All right. Now that is one of our educational portions of today's episode. And I thought we are a podcast about talking about things that scare you. Okay. So why don't I go ahead and talk about what it feels like to be burned? Oh, okay. Did you want me to go ahead and talk about that, Dom? Yeah, let's do it, but let's steal let's ourselves and warn off. people. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, yeah, so I'm going to talk about it's it's pretty gross, guys. It's uh, what you would imagine. Um, I'm just going to dive in. I'm going to talk about how it feels to get burned. So here we go. Firstly, if you're set on fire or you're around fire or you're in fire, all very bad situations, to be perfectly honest with you, get yourself out. Secondly, a fire will first burn and peel away the epidermis, the thin outer layer of skin. Um, After about five minutes under a flame, the thicker layer of skin, the dermis, it shrinks and then it splits open um, and then fat begins to leak out. So that's cute. (laughs) Then muscles in your body will also begin to contract, which is why burnt bodies such as the ones found in Pompeii are described as taking on a boxer pose. Mm. Yes. Uh, the lungs inhale smoke from the blaze and then the respiratory system begins to fail. So you'll start to suffocate as your muscles are contracting and your, you know, leaky muscles are leaking. Even if a person survives severe burns, the lungs can actually then fill with fluid, which can lead to suffocation also. So if you're not suffocating from the inhaled smoke, you're probably suffocating from the fluid that's filling up your lungs. Mm-hmm. Although burning to death is considered one of the most painful ways to die, there is an end to the pain. Thank God. Uh, I'm going to say immolation. Immolation. Yep. So that's burning someone to death. Is that correct? Yes. It's the most painful in the very beginning as the skin begins to burn. Uh, but once the skin and its nerve endings burn away, the body feels more or less uh, like there's nothing going on at all. Can't really feel anything. Yeah. That being said... The relatively quick process of burning through flesh is still excruciating, I can imagine. Yeah. Do you remember the Isdar woman, that episode that I did? Yes, yes, yes. And she had the fire like right in her face and she fell in that same pose. And I remember there was a word for it, but fucked if we know. Uh, Yeah. Can remember. That was was years ago. Yeah. but yeah, that's the exact same sort of thing when you freeze into a position because your Ooh. muscles are spasming. And yeah. Now, when the bo- when the temperature of the human body rises above 105 degrees Fahrenheit, so 40-ish degrees Celsius, enzymes in the body are no longer able to function properly. This extreme change in body temperature can lead to a major organ failure as well as shock. So there's a whole bunch of things that are going to happen before you, you know, really cark it, to be honest. Yeah. It's not quick. No, it's not. But the human human body usually takes two to three hours to fully burn in extreme heat. And even after a body is burned at such an extreme temperature, like we're talking uh, over a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. What is that? It's like five, how many is that in Celsius? Let me look Celsius. it up for you, darling. It'd be like 500-ish, uh, I, I think. But even after the body's burned at such an extreme temperature, as in the cremation process, a skeleton is still usually left behind. In modern cremation, the skeleton goes through a machine called a cremulator. Oh, the cremulator. 537 degrees. Okay, so there you go. Oof. So the cremulator, it turns the bones to ash. The ash from skin, organs, and other body tissues typically weighs uh, three to nine pounds. So a few kilos. Stories of, oh, I like this. Stories of spontaneous human combustion date back to the mid-18th century, but there's little to no scientific explanation for the alleged phenomena. As recently as 2010, however, a coroner listed one man's death as spontaneous human combustion after he was found badly burned with no obvious cause of fire. <laughs> Why am I doing this episode on anything else but this human combustion? What a fool. <laughs> 
I have missed such a such a moment. Now that said, the guys relax because the possibility of spontaneous human combustion is usually seen as an urban legend at most. Yeah. So please don't leave this episode fearing spontaneous human combustion because you're going to be all right. Of all of the things that could happen to you, I think that's lower on the list. Well, it depends if you worked at like a like if you worked yeah. as a fireman or <laughs> or, or a crematorium. Oh, God. Yeah, the cremulator. Uh, I want to get that as a Christmas toy. Actually, that would have been a great like wrestler's um, name, or yeah. even someone in you know a superhero franchise that shall not be named because they're not sponsoring us. Um, oh God, we're still waiting on the paperwork. Yeah, there's going to be a movie about Kate and I. Um, <laughs> Which one of us is the cremulator? You can have it since you discovered it okay. and you love well, saying I was the word. Thinking it's going to be um, crem- the cremulator and and and, and Mrs. Socks, <laughs> <laughs> Miss Haberdashery and the crab. Miss crem- Haberdashery and the cremulator. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, so don't stress about spontaneously combusting. I don't want you to. Dom, would you prefer to be burned alive or drowned to death? Uh, oh, God, that's a hard one, Kate, because you know how... It's a classic. I know how you feel about water, but although I've just told you what's going to happen to you if you're set on fire. I think... Our... Uh, I might need to know the circumstances a little bit more. Like, okay, you want some background? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, wanna, you need a brief, kinda. Because, right. like, if I was tied to a stake and I had to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait for someone mm-hmm. to like burn me up, or if I'm being tortured for days or weeks and then they burn me, or okay. I don't know. Um, um you uh fall into fall into a bonfire you fall into a bonfire um and because you were trying to put more wood on it and you passed out into it because you inhaled smoke yeah. and it made you pass out so that's one or you um go crabbing and fall in the ocean <laughs> <laughs> so what do you prefer fix it a bonfire and there's no one else around they all went inside to go and get some more um tapas Look, I know logically, (laughs) is there butter with the crab sticks or not? Obviously, obviously. We're not heathens, Dominic. Um, I think, look, I know logic says that I should pick uh, drowning over fire because drowning is not painful, but I think I'd be more afraid. I'm more afraid of drowning than I'm afraid of burning to death. Okay. So I would pick, I can't believe I'm going to say it, burning to death over drowning. Ooh, all right. I'll allow it. There's no right, there's no right or wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't particularly want either. <laughs> no, neither. Yeah. <laughs> Can I opt just to stay eating crab sticks? Is that an option? <laughs> I just want to eat them. Sure. Actually, um, I don't love crab sticks. How about, okay, Kate, I will give you yeah. burning alive okay. or suffocating in a dress or a jumper. <laughs> burning alive burning alive i don't even to think about it okay. set a fire right now or you do that or you give me a an evening frock that requires a zip up and is also made from a sturdy probably sequined material that i'll take the set on fire no okay problem. All right, you heard it here, folks. Kate and you I. Did. Are... I know you're all really curious about. That. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad. And on three, two, one, yeah, all of you scream out loud wherever you are, which you'd prefer. <laughs> That's right. Please, yeah. Okay, Dom. We've been waylaid for way too long. It's time to talk about some arsonists. Shall we get up your arson? Oh, I love a good ass. Mm. Ernest. Okay. I'm going to talk to you about six different stories. These are little quick, short stories. Number one, number one, Julio Gonzalez is one of the famous arsonists. He joins our list. He set one fire, but he killed 87 people. Now, after immigrating to New York City um, in 1980, 
Julio Gonzalez was working as a warehouse employee when he met Lydia, who became his girlfriend. A decade later, after losing his job and getting dumped by Lydia, a drunk Gonzalez visited her while she was at work as a coat check girl at the Happy Land Social Club. It was an illegal bar in the Bronx. Now, Lydia begged him to leave, but Gonzalez was like, no, and was threatening everyone, and then he was thrown out by the bouncer. After purchasing $1 worth of gasoline at a nearby gas station, he returned to the club where he poured the gas over the stairs at the only exit and then threw a match on it. Now, the fire burned so rapidly that the patrons didn't even have time to stop what they were doing and run away. The fire investigators found that the dead stopped midlife. (gasps) Lydia was one of the only six survivors. Oh, Julio. He didn't even get Lydia which I assume, which is who he was really gunning for in that particular place. And I think so, but hopefully she gets him. Well, Gonzalez watched the firefighters battle the blaze and then he went home to have a nap. It was just a bit taxing. Setting I'm a fire sorry. Much, How do you murder 87 people and watch them burn? Because to me, like, burning's you know, in that same realm of like knife attacks. It's, I know with knife uh, violence, it's very, it's like intimate. You're meant to really feel it all like strangulation, but burning, you have to be particularly set on suffering because of, yeah, what burning does. Yeah. Now he, yeah, so he went home to have a nap, but then when police interviewed the survivors, Lydia told them about her fight with Gonzalez Now, when they went to talk to him, he admitted to setting the fire and he didn't even get rid of the evidence. So his gas-soaked clothes were still in his apartment and he was found guilty of 174 charges of murder, so two for each person that died, and he was sentenced to 25 years for each count of murder, which was a total of 4,350 years. The punishment is mostly symbolic because he will serve the sentences concurrent. What a dingbat. Yeah, see you later. Now, here is number two on our list, John Pillow Pyro Orr. Now, John the Pillow Pyro, he set about 2,000 fires, but the people he killed was four. So in terms of ratio to number of fires to people he killed, (laughs) Julio is winning that ratio fight. But John Pillow Pyro did cause tens of millions of dollars of property damage. Thank you. John, oh, I'm sorry. I just was setting myself up for a cough there. Yeah. Now, John Orr hoped to be a Los Angeles police officer, but he didn't make the cut. Instead, he joined the Glendale Fire Department as an arson investigator. Red flag. Uh, Well, it's not really a red flag that you want to be an arson investigator, but seeing as I know you ended up causing fires, it is. (laughs) Now, his co-workers thought that all was strange. He chased down shoplifters and burglars in his fire truck. (laughs) (laughs) But... But his co-workers did admire his dedication. Imagine, I'm just picturing him trying to solve a crime, like a, <laughs> trying to be sneaky. In <laughs> his ginormous fire truck trying to follow someone down the street. Uh, now, uh, John's uh, uh, co-workers, they did admire his dedication and his uncanny ability to be the first firefighter on the scene. Uncanny. He always knew uh where the hydrants were and the best way to put out each fire. And he also happened to know how to find the cause of the fire. His colleagues never suspected that Orr was the man they dubbed the pillow pyro. Orr used the same incendiary device for all of his blazers. He uses a cigarette, which is attached to a book of matches, wrapped in paper with a cotton bedding. Um, so like a little pillow, that's why he's the pillow pyro. Oh, yeah. And then it was secured with a, ru- a rubber band. So the cigarette would burn down and then the matches would ignite the paper and the little bed. In 1984, a fire set at a local hardware store killed four people, including a two-year-old. Oh, no. And it destroyed the building and nearby establishments. That's horrendous. Now, John Orr's capture... During an arson investigators conference in Bakersfield, California in January 1987, several suspicious fires broke out. 
At one of the fires, investigators found a single fingerprint on a piece of notebook paper. Two years later, during another fire investigators conference in Pacific Grove, an outbreak of small fires occurred. Bakersfield arson investigator compared the participants at both conferences and found that 10 people attended both. By 1991, the investigators formed the Pillow Pyro Task Force. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, can we get in here? We need to uh, come up with another name for a task force. Can we? Um, let's get, no, let's get the whole building in here. We, I, it's going to be a tough one to come up with this name. The Duna Detectives. Gather in <gasps> the Duna Detectives. So they've got the Pillow Pyro Task Force and they published a profile noting that the suspect suspect was most likely an arson investigator from the greater Los Angeles area. The fingerprint found at the first conference was compared to those of the 10 attendees of both conferences and it matched John Orr's fingerprint. When he was arrested in November 1991, police found cigarettes, rubber bands and binoculars. His literary aspirations contributed to his downfall, so he wrote a manuscript called Point of Origin describing a fireman who was an arsonist. Can I give you a hot tip, listeners? <laughs> Here Dominic, we go. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give you a hot tip. Okay. One oh one. If you would like to commit some crimes, firstly, I would second guess that. Okay. The next thing is don't write a manuscript about it clearly identifying you as the lead character who commits these crimes i'm just that's my piece of advice that's all i can give you for today but at least it's a solid nugget i got one more for you kate hit me don't google how to dot 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 like if you're having these impure thoughts these destructive unhealthy Vicious, violent thoughts. Seek help. How to help someone who has dot, dot, dot. How to stop thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So there you go, folks. Don't don't think we don't give you anything because, (laughs) uh, you know, in return for you giving us five stars and joining our Patreon, we'll give you hot tips for life. Hot tips. Hot tips. In this manuscript... In this manuscript, we've gone off the rails, Um, John Orr was, you know, writing really detailed information. So, for example, he wrote, To Aaron, the smoke was beautiful, causing his heart rate to quicken and his breath to become shallow in gasps. He was trying to control his outward appearance and look normal to anyone around him. He relaxed. Oh, gross. Well, I don't want to even read that. Yeah, he this relaxed. is sexual. Yeah, because the next words are partially stroked his erection, Blech! watching Ooh. the fire. So he got turned on by it. Ew. Now, Orr is serving life plus 20 years for arson and the four murders. I'd love to do that as a judge. I'd be like, do you know what? Life in prison plus 20. Get him out of here. Just yep. plus another 10. Maybe, um, do you know what? Make it 35 plus 35. Goodbye. And you can never go near fire again. Correct. You'll never see it. We'll never let you see it. Okay, number three on our list. I have Raymond Lee Euler. Now, Raymond set 24 fires and he killed five people. So also not great. He did also, uh, I mean, none of these are great. It goes without saying. But he also destroyed over 40,000 acres uh, of land, but he, and that amounted to more than $9 million in damages. So the story of Raymond Lee Euler. He was a 36 year old dim witted mechanic in Riverdale. Uh, His own lawyer characterized him as dopey. He trained for three months to become a volunteer firefighter, but he quit. Yet his love affair continued. He began starting small fires, but minor blazes weren't enough, and he became obsessed with lighting a mountain on fire. He started more and more fires by attaching a Marlboro cigarette to a pack of matches. He's got the same kind of MO, but he placed uh, placing it in the brush and lighting the cigarette. Uh, after bragging to his girlfriend about his fires, that's another tip, stop bragging about it, you dickhead. She threatened to leave him if he didn't stop, so he quit. 
for six months and then he started again. In October 2006, investigators say Euler placed his trademark incendiary device in a gully near Esperanza Avenue in Cabazon. The Santa Ana winds fed the fire and it spread at speeds of up to 40 miles an hour, with flames leaping more than 100 feet into the air. The 1,300-degree fire melted guardrails along Highway 243. A truck driver testified to say that he saw Euler at a gas station in a Banning watching uh, in Banning watching the fire, and he claims that Euler, Euler said the fire is happening just the way I thought it would. Ooh, a wave that's... of fire, oh, it's creepy, rolled over the fire over five firefighters as they tried to save a house from the blaze, and all five of them died. That's horrendous. Ugh. Yeah, jail off your truck. You're yeah. done. Now, his capture, a $500,000 reward was offered for any information related to the Esperanza blaze. Arson investigators were already looking at Euler for two smaller fires that, um, that were set in the early summer. Both of the cigarettes used to light the flames had Euler's DNA on them. Police officers first arrested him for the two smaller blazes and then later charged him for the Esperanza fire. While there was no DNA on the device that started the Esperanza blaze, it was identical to those with Euler's DNA on them. Uh, and then after a guilty verdict, a judge sentenced Euler to death. Okay, well, I'm not a fan of the death penalty. That's just mm-hmm. my personal opinion. Sorry to mm-hmm. anyone else out there. Actually, no, don't apologise for that. You, but you regardless... You can have an opinion. My, my goodness, and you may have information about this later on, Kate, but... I would love to know, or I have mad respect for people that do these investigations and somehow figure out how fires start, what was used, when it started, how does any shit fucking, sorry, lots of swearing, but how does anything survive? (laughs) How does any shit fucking? I don't know how shit fucking's dumb. I just read the podcast. (laughs) Anyway, I'm just, if anyone's a firefighter out there or a volunteer, I have nothing but oh, extra respect, respect absolutely. for Absolutely. Now, I um, did look into that a little bit, Dom. I've not included it in this episode because it's almost an episode on its own. I got too far down the rabbit hole and I had to pull, pull the shoot and get out of it because <laughs> um, there was way too much and it was really in-depth uh, stuff. So I haven't included it, but it is fascinating to find origin, an origin of fire, even to the same point of like explosions and things as well, yeah. being able to find evidence and stuff. But it is pretty phenomenal, but I don't have anything about it in this episode. That's so, okay. We can so all do some it. homework. Yeah, that's true. Okay, number four on our list of um, arsonists is David, son of Sam Berkowitz. Oh, oh, wow. Chills. <laughs> Cheers. Now, the number of fires that the son of Sam set was 1,411. I like that that number is specific. The people killed slash cost is unknown. Now, the story of David, son of Sam Berkowitz, is he is the adopted son of Pearl and Nat Berkowitz and spent most of his childhood alone. If he didn't play baseball, he bullied the other kids. He was large and awkward. When Berkowitz tired of torturing Pearl's parakeet, he started building fires um, in, he started fires in buildings across New York and kept detailed diaries of each one. Berkowitz always felt everyone was out to get him and starting fires gave him a feeling of control. Now he's capture. Officials weren't looking for Berkowitz for his fire starting habits. They were too busy searching for the son of Sam, who was terrorizing New York City. But it was Berkowitz, uh, Berkowitz's love of fire that contributed to his capture. A few days prior to his arrest, Berkowitz... <laughs> In Australia, we have a furniture company called Berkowitz Furniture, and so each time I just say his surname, it just makes me think of that. 40% off now on Berkowitz Furniture. Get your bed and your lounge suite from us here at Berkowitz. Chaise longue. Chaise longue. Get a new rug to tie the room together. Berkowitz Furniture. (laughs) Sail on now. A few days prior to his arrest, Berkowitz started a fire outside his neighbour, Craig Glassman's door. The son of Sam had alleged in a letter that Glassman belonged to a cult, which made Berkowitz kill six people and injure seven others. 
Berkowitz placed a 22 caliber bullet near the door in the hope of causing an explosion, but the fire didn't burn hot enough to ignite the ammo. Glassman believed his odd neighbor Berkowitz set the fire and he gave the police threatening notes that Berkowitz had sent him. Based on notes and an eyewitness description of Berkowitz, police arrested him and he admitted to six murders. So in terms of being an orthodoxist, he was a pretty good murderer. (laughs) Son of Sam stuff is on my list of like to do because it's it's pretty. Yes, I know. It's massive. Yeah. And it will take a very long time. But I look forward to those episodes and I'm going to leave those ones to you, Dominic. Because you'd kill it. <laughs> no pun intended. Ooh. Number Ew. five on our list. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, <laughs> Peter Dinsdale, a.k.a. Bruce George Peter Lee. Four first names. How about that? I think if you have more than two... If you're a parent that gives your child more than two, yeah. you deserve maybe a prison sentence as well. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm swinging big on this one, yeah, Kate. And I'm, you I'll, really I'll... are. You are swinging for the fences. <laughs> You've just got your driver out and you are absolutely going for, going for it. But I'm going to stick to my guns on this one because I just don't think it's okay. necessary. In fact, I think it's Fair borderline abuse um, because it's... All right. Kids have got to go into school and then, no. Um, hello, Dominic, Timothy, Francis, Charles, the third, Mouskowitz. That was a lot of your names. You just use it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now set Bruce. Up for bullying. <laughs> oh, mate, I... I... I almost don't want to let you stop. I think this is a, I didn't realize it was such a passionate, um, you know, stance that you were willing to take with the first name thing. It's but really not, this, but I just felt like I had to commit. I, know, I, loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you led with prison sentence, so I don't think you could have backed it. <laughs> How do you really feel? All right. <laughs> Tell me so about Bruce. Peter Dinsdale. AKA Bruce George Peter Lee. Now he set more than 30 fires and 26 people died in 11 of those fires. So he set a few and killed a few peeps. Now when Peter Dinsdale was just 12 years old, he went to the house of a classmate, six-year-old Richard Allerington, Allerington in Hull, England. He arrived before 7 a.m. Now Dinsdale poured paraffin in a window and touched, touched, Tossed a match into the house. So paraffin, I'm assuming, is a lighter fluid. Dom, can you please jujul that for me? I, f- I feel uh, like I know you it. Might, do you know it anyway? Is that yeah? Now no. the Allerington's woke and they rushed five of their six children from the burning house. Richard, who was physically handicapped, didn't make it out. Oh fuck! That's now. horrendous. He was only six year old. Now, the Allerington fire was one of many fatal fires that Dinsdale set from 1973 to 1979. Dinsdale was a pathetic case. Oh, didn't pull any punches. His mother worked as a prostitute and neglected him because she disliked his freakish appearance and epileptic fits. Wow, this is is a a heavy description. Okay. Um, now I, the way that this is written too, is his mother worked as a prostitute and neglected him because she didn't like his freakish appearance and epileptic fits. Now, did she work as a prostitute because of that? Or is it the neglection, the neglecting that she did because of the appearance and fits? This family has bigger problems than grammar. I'm sorry. You are right. You are right. Now children made fun of him for his limp and deformed appearance and adults called him daft Peter. He wandered the port. The poor neighbourhoods of Hull, guys, I'm so sorry. I'm not laughing at Peter. What's happening is inside of my head and I have no control over that, so I'm terribly sorry for my sniggering. I just can't now, believe, wanted... like, it's it's not just that story. I think there was one or two stories before where people are just so blatantly like, oh, he was dopey and daft oh, and dim-witted yeah, and stupid. I'm like, he was how about we? Yeah, he was yeah, stupid. How about we just, I don't know for a change, stop 
commenting or describing or judging people for these sorts of things. Like, put, I get yes, the laughter, but like, yeah. Oh, this is just me looking at language and like, I, I'm like shocked by how aggressive it is, which, yeah, it just makes me makes me chuckle because it's absurd. I guess it's the 70s as well. And so things have, you know, come a lot further since then, which is good. However, Daft Peter did wander the poor neighbourhoods burning down houses. So he didn't do great things. He could have done better things. At nine, he burned down a lumberyard and a shopping district. He claimed to have started a fire in a nursing home that killed 11 men, but that was later deemed accidental. Why would you admit to doing that for ki- like to kill eleven people? That's not that's not all right. Now I he watched know, a man stumble. Everyone hated him he, and everyone said him he had a freakish appearance mm. and called him Daft Peter. Now he watched a man stumble around his home ablaze after Dinsdale set the man on fire for clipping his ear. Now clipping his ear for those that might not know is like hitting someone across the ear. Yeah, like clip, clipping your. He squirted paraffin in the mail slot of a home, killing a mother and her three sons. Peter! Now, in uh, 1979, on December 4th, Dinsdale doused the porch of a hasty house with paraffin and then lit it on fire. The uh, The four hasty boys and their mother were inside and only one boy survived. Now, the Hasties had bullied, stolen from, and threatened their neighbours, so it seemed that everyone was a suspect. Charlie Hastie has allegedly forced Dinsdale, had allegedly forced Dinsdale to participate in homosexual acts and had blackmailed him. Dinsdale, who had changed his name to Bruce George Peterley in honour of martial arts legend Bruce Lee, had left spent matches and a can of paraffin outside the house, so authorities began an arson investigation. An anonymous caller claimed to have seen a car outside the house prior to the fire. Even though police didn't suspect the driver of setting the fire, they had few leads and trailed the car. Eventually, Dinsdale admitted that he set set the fire to the hasty house. He said he didn't want to kill them, only to scare Charlie. Then Dinsdale coolly admitted to 10 more fatal fires and showed investigators the location of each. Dinsdale pled guilty to 26 counts of manslaughter and remains in a psychiatric and no one Later. wins in that story. No, nobody wins in that story at all. No no winners. So we'll go to number six. Thomas Sweat with two T's. I swear there's a song in there. Thomas Sweat with two T's. <laughs> That's the start of it. <laughs> I was thinking more like a Prince song, like Sweat. Oh, Sweat. <laughs> That's the start of uh, Cream. Yeah. For anyone who's singing along at home. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't pick up from those few bars that Kate so magnificently, <laughs> I think you need to revisit your statement about being a good imitator. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, friends. Okay, sorry, Bruce. So Thomas Sweat, two T's. Uh, he set more than a hundred, more than three hundred and fifty fires. Ah, oh. sorry. Before I talk about the people that were killed, I'm just going to collect myself. <laughs> so he set more than three hundred and fifty fires, and he it was confirmed that two people had died, but as many as five people had died. So mm. confirmed too. Now he caused millions of dollars worth of damage. Okay, here's the story of Thomas Sweat, two T's. When Thomas Sweat saw an attractive man, he would follow him home. But instead of talking to the object of his affection, Sweat would set fire to the man's house or car. Now, I, in terms of dating, um, (laughs) I know that I can, you know, you can get tips from people, okay? I'm probably not going to take that one as a strong move. Would you agree, Dom, or should I consider it? No, no, no. I think there's enough other fish in the proverbial sea. Okay. That... So don't go straight for setting fire to the person's house or car. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, I'm trying to bring water into the discussion here. Douse things down. Oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah. 
think you want to go in with a little bit more of a um, gentle swell. Yeah, flip the bird. Um, okay. Punch a pillow. Talk to a friend. Yeah. Play a video game. <laughs> Don't set fire to people's shit. Listen to a song. Yeah. Listen to a podcast. Uh, you know, listen to. Oh my god, what is this? I don't hear the difference. <laughs> I don't hear the difference between my Prince intro and the actual Prince intro. You Can you please do me a favour, Dom? Right, like in this, in your editing, I'm going to put some work on you and not that you, or you already do all of the work. But here's another little thing. If you could go back and if you can clip my intro and the intro of the Prince song, see if you can put them together, you won't be able to tell the difference. I can definitely do that. <laughs> Sorry to derail you even further, Kate. No, that's fine. Let's get back to Thomas Sweat 2Ts. Now, he set fire to the uh, the attractive men's cars or houses, and for more than 30 years, Sweat set hundreds of fires in the metro Washington, D.C. area. Sweat often to- tossed incendiary devices into police cars and then watched them burn. Each time he set a fire, he used a similar gadget. Okay, it's slightly different to the cigarette matchbook. He would fill a milk jug with gasoline and plug the opening with a piece of clothing that served as a wick, so a really aggressive Molotov cocktail. The wick burned in the plastic for more than 20 minutes, and after the fire consumed the container, gas fumes escaped and caught fire. In two different fires, elderly women were unable to escape and later died, so they were the two confirmed cases. Now the capture of Thomas Sweat 2 T's. At the scene of a fire in Arlington, Virginia in December 2004, officials found a pair of pants from a Marine dress uniform. They retrieved DNA from the pants, which matched mystery DNA that investigators had obtained from a strand of hair and wicks from three incendiary devices uh, found at other fires. Sweat often used his own clothing as wicks. That's another tip. Don't use your own clothes as a wick. Essentially, they caught him because of a pube. Pretty much. Cool. Yeah, that's what it is. Yep, it is. Sentenced by pube. Uh, now, when investigators visited a marine base in southwest, southeast Washington, Naval Criminal Investigation Services, the NCIS, Leroy Jethro Gibbs himself mentioned that the car often sat outside the base while the driver stared at the Marines. NCIS felt that this man was responsible for several car fires on the base, but they didn't have proof. Where's Jethro? <laughs> and the fires had suddenly stopped. For weeks, the police tailed sweat before asking him for a DNA sample. <laughs> just following him, following, following him. Just like, oh, excuse me, mate, we've actually been following you for a few weeks. Um, is there any chance you could give us some DNA? <laughs> That's my impression of that particular police person. Uh, now, he voluntarily gave his DNA. What a ding-dong. Yeah, Because police matched his DNA to the dress pants and the DNA found at the three fires. Sweat with two Ts pled guilty to the fires in D.C., Virginia and Maryland and is serving a life sentence in a federale prison. Yep. See you later. Hot diggity dog. Tommy Sweat, as I live and breathe. With two Ts. Now, Tommy Sweat, two Ts. Now, because I wanted to go through this story and give you some quick little tidbitty bits and pieces those are my arsonist story Ooh, arsonist stories i need to leave you with a pop culture reference do you want Bring one it. i need it F- fill me up with pop culture okay <laughs> pop culture i did not like where that was going out one little bit pop culture the pop culture reference of the week is the film backdraft Oh, Have you seen it, Dom? No, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Backdraft is a film of two Chicago firefighter brothers who don't get along but they have to work together when a dangerous arsonist is on the loose. Oh. This was directed in um, – uh, it was directed by Ron Howard. It was released in 1991 and it starred a string of famous actors including Kurt Russell, William Baldwin, Scott Glenn, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Rebecca De Mornay, Donald Sutherland, Robert De Niro, 
unbelievable. And JT Walsh. I don't know who the last one is, but that's okay. Here's a couple of facts about Backdraft. Number one, there's a Backdraft ride at Universal Studios, or at least there was when I was there 500 years ago. Okay. And if you go on the Jurassic Park ride, which you get like soaking wet, Backdraft is just across the way. So if you stand outside that, heat stuff comes and you dry your clothes real fast. Oh, good, good yeah. tip. Good to know. Good to know. Now, couple of facts about this movie before I uh, wrap up. William Baldwin and Kurt Russell went to a firefighter boot camp to learn the ropes. Good for them. Yep. Um, and Scott Glenn was actually set on fire for one scene. Horrible. He was coated in layers of fireproof clothing and special gel for his skin so he wouldn't get burned. No amount of fireproof clothing or special gel could ask, could me, I would not, I don't, please, I'm not, don't, I, I'm no fire for me. I'll do it. I'll totally do it. You'll do it? Okay. Can you be my stunt double? Sure, but don't ask me to drown myself for a movie. Oh, okay. I'll take that <laughs> off the list. <laughs> Titanic 2 is now, off Dobbs. It's <laughs> off the list. Lizzie, can you scratch that? Titanic 2. No, nah, he doesn't want to do it. No, I know we we're going to ask after. Just cross it off the list. Now, here is my favourite fact about Backdraft. It is not the most popular fire film, which is a shock. It made $152.4 million, which is a great, you know, amount of money. It was released in 1991 and it was the highest grossing film about firefighters until 2007 when it was beaten by another, which, oh gosh, it'd have to be just a classic firefighting film Dom, could you ever guess what it is? Um, uh, 16 Candles? It was. It is, <laughs> it is not 16 Candles, although that's a really close guess. It was actually beaten by, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, which is an Adam Sandler, Kevin James movie that is about them pretending to be in a relationship with each other. But how has that got fires? Because Kevin James plays a firefighter. Ah, sure. And he fights fires, I suppose. And then, but that grossed $187 million. But it did receive generally negative reviews from critics, which doesn't shock me for an Adam Sandler, Kevin James duo. (laughs) I would never have guessed that. No, you wouldn't have, which is I set you up for fail and I'm so terribly sorry. On that cheerful note, folks, that is the end. Of up your arson. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. As much as people who love it, up your arson. Up your arson! Oh my goodness, Kate. I have never been on such a roller coaster with you before. Well, I tell you what, that's how I like to live on a roller coaster, metaphorically. Literally, do not want to ride. <laughs> Um, yeah, round of applause. I, I apologize if I derailed us off the roller coaster a few times. I liked it. It's fine. But uh, never yeah. apologize. That's what makes us so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to have to. How about we oh. do a special Patreon episode, a Brickinet episode on Backdraft? Yep since I've never seen it, and yep. we will do another one next week. Well, we won't record them this week, but we'll do another extra one the following week as well when I wrap I up Ivan Malat number two. The Malat sequel. Yeah, and you have to tune in for this because one of our amazing regular listeners actually has a, like, first-hand account story to tell that's amazing i can't wait yeah it's pretty (gasps) freaky oh we're gonna have the best time okay let's let's go so that then people can just be excited and uh, for our next episode hey listeners guess what bloody love you bloody love you a lot love you too (laughs) don't forget to rate and review us Please, five stars. Uh, I promise to delete that creepy uh, I love you confession. (laughs) (laughs) See you. Bye, everyone. Five stars.
that's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.